In Acts chapter 9, we get the story of Saul's conversion that begins on the road to Damascus. He was traveling to Damascus with letters in hand to arrest Christians there and to bring them back to Jerusalem as prisoners. And in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, we learn that Saul was full of hate and murderous intent toward the people of the way, which is what Christians were called at the time. So Saul sets out for Damascus with letters in hand, and he has an encounter with Jesus along the road. In Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 8, Luke recounts the story of that experience. It says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So Saul is traveling to, to, uh, to Damascus and He has this amazing encounter with Jesus along the side of the road while on his way to arrest and imprison people who are disciples of Jesus. He's blinded by that experience and Jesus gives him direction to go into Damascus and await instructions from there. Which brings us to the focus of our time this morning. If you would turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Verses 10 through 19. In Damascus, there is a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Street uh, Straight Street and ask for a man uh, from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. 
He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now Ananias, a disciple of Jesus in Damascus, receives a vision from the Lord to go and to see Saul at the home of Judas on Straight Street. God tells him Saul is waiting for him because he had a vision that a man named Ananias would come and place his hand on him and restore his sight. However, Ananias had some legitimate concerns regarding Saul. He is well aware of Saul's reputation and of his persecution of Ananias' fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And he also knows that Saul was on his way to Damascus under the authority of the Jewish chief priests to arrest the disciples that he found and to return them to Jerusalem. Now this moment was a turning point for Ananias, for Saul, and really for the rest of the world. Ananias had a choice. He could be motivated by his apprehension and fear of Saul and his reputation, or he could answer God's call to go to Saul and to do what God was asking him to do. Thankfully, Ananias chose to go with obedience, to walk in obedience, and he does what God asks him to do. He didn't let his apprehension or his fear win out in a difficult moment. But that's not always easy for us to do, is it? Fear is a tremendously powerful motivator. Now, fear can be a positive force in our life. It can help to keep us safe. When we are afraid, we tend to act with caution. And that caution can be a very good thing. There are certain areas of our lives where a healthy dose of fear can be useful. Most of us aren't going to drive 120 miles per hour on back dirt curvy roads because we fear the consequences of that. We know that bad things can happen when we do it. We know that we might get pulled over and there might be a ticket that has a hefty fine associated with it, but even worse, we know that we could injure ourselves or, or hurt or take the life of somebody else when we're reckless in that way. Most of us also aren't going to hold our hands in an open flame because we know it's going to cause pain and potentially significant damage. That kind of fear is a healthy type of fear because it motivates us towards positive behaviors. Help keeps us in check. Helps keep us on the right path. It's that kind of fear that prompts Ananias to be apprehensive in the first place when it comes to Saul. After all, entertaining someone who would like to see you imprisoned or dead because of your faith might have some danger associated with it. Being cautious in potentially dangerous situations isn't a bad thing 
It's what helps to keep us safe and to keep us alive. But there's also an unhealthy kind of fear. An unhealthy kind of fear that motivates us sometimes as well. This is the kind of fear that keeps us comfortable and stuck. The kind of fear that keeps us from taking healthy, faith-filled risks. When this fear takes over, we're motivated to keep things comfortable and exactly as they are. We're motivated to maintain the status quo in our lives. This is the kind of fear that usually stands behind the statement, we have never done it this way before. It keeps us from swimming out into the deep waters of faith. This fear keeps us from sharing our faith, from living on mission to be witnesses because we are afraid of the consequences or because we simply feel comfortable and we don't want to disrupt that comfort. It's fear that keeps us from being obedient to God when we know exactly what it is that He wants us to do. It keeps us from sacrificial living and giving because we are afraid that we might not have enough for ourselves. It keeps us from doing the things that we know God has commanded us to do. And when we allow this kind of fear to dominate our lives, we find that we are living against the grain of the kind of life that God has called us to be as disciples. And our fear becomes an excuse. Not a good excuse, but an excuse for not doing what we know what we are supposed to do based on what God is calling us toward. Ananias was cautious when there was potential danger. But his decision to meet and engage with Saul as God commanded wasn't motivated by his caution. It was motivated by his love and his trust for God. And we discover that in that faith-filled risk, Ananias helped change the world. Because Saul would have a complete change of, of life. He would become the missionary to the Gentiles. He would write two-thirds of the New Testament, and he would help spread the good news of Jesus Christ all around the world. If we're honest, many of us are here today because of the faithfulness of Ananias. And then Saul and his faithfulness in the mission given to him by God. That faithfulness poured down the generations. People who were willing to step outside of their fear, to be motivated by love and trust to do what God had called them to do, and to be who God called them to be. And that happened from generation to generation to generation, all the way to us, sitting here this morning. We are here because people were able to overcome their fear and to be bold in their proclamation of the gospel. And so then the question arises, how do we overcome those fears and apprehensions that keep us 
from living a faithful life as Ananias did? How do we respond faithfully when, but when God puts something challenging before us that might cause us some apprehension or fear? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do is identify and own our fears and our idols. This can be tough. Our fears are deeply connected to our idols. And the loss of those idols often keep us from doing what we know that we should. What we are afraid to lose oftentimes stands between us and our obedience. And so we have to ask ourselves difficult questions. What are the things that we are afraid to lose? Are we afraid to lose money? Are we afraid for our reputation? Are we afraid of the power that we have established? Are we afraid to lose the comfortable lifestyle that we have worked so hard for? Are we afraid that we will lose fun or miss out on something? Are we afraid of losing our lives? Discovering our idols is difficult work. It requires honest self-reflection with the scriptures in hand. And it requires us to be attentive to the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives. But we need to make sure that we know what scares us. Why it scares us. And what idols we have that feed those fears. If we're not honest in the midst of this process, we're going to have a difficult time overcoming the things that scare us, that cause that apprehension and fear in our lives. We need to take time for honest self-reflection and allow God to show us our idols that keep us living in fear. Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. We need to take that work seriously in our lives if we want to deal with a fear in our lives. We have no hope of overcoming fear if we are so attached to those idols in our lives. We're so afraid of, of losing those things. We're going to get stuck. So we need to do the hard work of allowing God to search our hearts, to show us those things that we are afraid of, to, to show us those places where we're apprehensive and afraid. And then we need to train ourselves to think differently. We're told by Paul in Romans 12 too, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In order to help, excuse me, in order to help overcome our fears about faithfully following Jesus, we have to change how we think. We need to see the world as God does. We need to see the people in our lives as God does. We need to see ourselves as God does. 
We need to pray every day for the Holy Spirit to be at work within us to help us act and think like Jesus, to transforming us, uh, to transform us by helping us to think as He does. How we think has profound impact on how we live. If we see danger around every corner, if we train ourselves over time to be fearful, if our minds are constantly occupied with what could go wrong, then we are more apt to make our decisions based on our fears. But if we focus our attention on things like Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, where he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If those are the things that we focus our attention on, the things that we focus our thought life on, then we are more than likely to act accordingly. If we spend time thinking about what is true and what is right and what is admirable, we are more likely to follow through on acting on what is true and right and admirable. So then we help train ourselves against fear by focusing our attention on something beyond our fears and our apprehension. We need to focus our thought life on God, His love for us, His love for others. When we do that, we find that God will begin to change our thinking, the way that we think, the way that we view people. We'll be less likely to be fearful. Finally, <clears throat> we know that love drives out fear. It's important to identify our idols and fears. And we need to renew our mind and change how we think. But I think the key ingredient to overcoming fear is to be motivated by love. 1 John 4.18 tells us, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, I am increasingly convinced that the two great motivators in a person's life are, are, are fear and love. I've seen this time and time again in people everywhere that I've served and every church that I've ever been in. When it comes right down to it, people are either motivated by the fear of losing something, whatever that might be, or they are motivated by their love for God and for others. Now for most of us, sometimes the fear wins out, and sometimes love wins out. It's rare that any of us are motivated by just fear or just love. 
there's often a combination of the both of them at work in us. The question is usually more about which one wins out in a particular situation. And in the end, either fear or love takes control. We have the opportunity to decide which will win when God asks us to step out in faith, when He asks us to do something challenging. Our love for God and for others is rooted in the fact that God first loved us. If we want to overcome fear, if we want to overcome apprehension, then we need to ask the Holy Spirit to remind us of God's love for us and for others and to instill that love within us. It may not result in the total absence of fear, but the Holy Spirit will empower us to, to love in a way that overcomes the fear that we are experiencing. The Spirit will help us to be bold and courageous even if we don't really feel like we can or should be. It's amazing and beautiful what love can do in our lives and the lives of others when our fear doesn't get in the way. Fear is often a death sentence for churches. Because people are afraid. They move into survival mode. They stop thinking about others. They stop thinking outside of their walls and their whole goal is to find a way to sustain themselves. They start thinking within. Fear leads us oftentimes to be really, really selfish. But Jesus calls us out of selfishness into selflessness. And so I would invite you this morning to consider those places where you are struggling with fear. Where you might have fear in your life that stands in the way of you living into the mission to be witnesses of Jesus Christ into the world. To rethink how you can live faithfully. Not motivated by fear, but to live faithfully motivated by love. Which brings me to our take-home point this morning. A disciple of mature faith is motivated to action by love of God and neighbor. Not by fear. And some questions for us to reflect upon as we leave here today and as we go about our week. Question number one. What fears hold you back from being obedient to God? Question number two. What idols in your life 
might be fueling your fears. Number three. What kinds of things dominate your thought life? Are your thoughts generally positive or negative? Number four. Are you allowing fear or love to dominate your thinking when it comes to obediently following after Jesus? Ananias didn't let fear and apprehension stand in his way. He trusted God. He didn't let his idols dominate his life and create fear. He didn't let fear take hold in his life. His mind was on the things of God and his love for God won out. And that changed the world. His openness to God's leading, despite the questions that he had, allowed God to use him in Saul's life in a way that would lead to a transformed world. We never know where our openness to God might lead us. And it's my prayer that I, that we, as the Catanning Free Methodist Church, would all have this kind of faith in obedience in our lives. That we would be able to take faith-filled risks based in our love for God and our love for others. Instead of making choices that are based in fear. May that be true of us as individuals in Christ and may that be true of us as the body of Christ. May that be true of us as we seek to live on mission to be witnesses for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning acknowledging that oftentimes fear is a powerful motivator in our lives. Sometimes that's for good, but often that stands in the way of us being faithful and obedient. And so Lord, we pray that you would replace the fear that is in each of our lives with the love, with love for you and with love for others. May we be motivated by that love. May we trust you, even when things appear difficult for us. May we trust that your hand is at work. May we trust that you are indeed moving in ways that we cannot see, but in ways that are transformative. Lord, help us to overcome the fear that is in our lives. That we might humbly and obediently serve you wherever you find us. We pray this in and through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.